I'm a savage. Yeah. Classy, bougie, ratchet. What's up, Savage Boss Babes and Dudes? It's Diana inside the Savage Studio once again with another episode that you are definitely going to want to hear. Plug in your earbuds. Maybe you're at the gym. Maybe you are on your way out of your home to go and run some errands. Whatever you are, this is going to be a really good listen to. And please remember to share after you listen because sharing is caring. (laughs) Share on your social media so that your followers and your friends can also tune into the Savage Podcast. So this time we have San Antonio's very own dancing realtor Ruben Hernandez Valdez. Welcome, Yay, Ruben. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so happy that you are going to be able to be part of this podcast because this podcast was born and raised in San Antonio for San Antonio. So I'm just so glad that you're going to be able to share your story with us. I'm here. excited. I I told you before we started that as soon as I heard Destiny, my friend Destiny on on here, and then I heard that you had the owner of Southbound Coffee, I was like. I have to do it. I have to be on it because it's just, it is really inspiring. I feel like every single episode that I've listened to, I've listened to like seven or eight already that every single one I'm like, and even I'll be honest, even I'll look at the description. I'm like, oh, that probably won't relate to me, but I'm just going to listen to it. And it never fails. It's so good. Like they're really, it's such a conversation. And yeah, it's that means so much to me. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who has supported the Savage podcast because that project was probably started and I should probably do an episode about it, but it, it really was started to get me personally out of a hard situation yeah. that I was in during one of the lowest times of my life. And I started it to kind of get myself up again and, you know, try to brush myself mm-hmm. off and push myself out there again. Yeah. Thankfully, gracias a Dios, it's opened the door to become something that's opening possibilities and opportunities for other people, yeah, you know? Sure. So Something good came out. Yeah, I did. For sure. Absolutely. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm so excited. So born and raised here in San Antonio, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Born and raised on What's the south side. South side. South side. Yeah, I rep it pretty, pretty strong. <laughs> Only because everyone's like, oh, what party town are you from? And I think maybe because of my skin color. I don't know what it is, but they're uh-huh. like, they think I'm going to say like, oh, northeast or north side. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll say south side and they're like, wait, what? <laughs> And I'm like, and they'll be like, you don't look like you're from the South Side. And I'm like, what am I supposed to look like? Like, what does that yeah. look like? Right. Um, so, yeah, super proud of being from the South Side. I actually, when I moved over here back in 2010, I lived on the South Side really? for about three years. Yeah, I came over here and uh, moved in with one of my aunts. Um, she lives over there. I've started somewhere in Nogalitos. Oh, yeah. So that was my area. That was that was me. That's where for... my grandpa's, like, that's where my parents, my dad was born and raised. Really? On, like, on that part of town. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's that's where I lived for the first three years that I was here in San Antonio. And then... Um, because of work and stuff like that, I started to, you know, came on to yeah, this other yeah, side yeah. of town yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's well, booming. And that's the thing too. Yeah. Like the South side, I think that it's obviously not the prettiest because it's been neglected for a long time, but now there's so much coming to the South side and coming out of the South side. Right. And so people are like, Oh, it's so dangerous. I'm like, first off, I grew up over there and I never got shot at. So like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm still here. Yeah. It's not a thing, but yeah, I've heard a lot of people paint that picture. So what was it like growing up on the South side? Yeah. So I didn't know it then, but now in hindsight, I'm like, wow, like my life was not like a lot of other people's lives when it comes to, you know, just the norm. Right. Okay. So I think that obviously I had the normal, you know, I went to school, you know, my parents worked nine to five, all that good stuff. But when I've met people like in college and even in the professional realm, people are like, oh yeah, we used to, I mean, we went on family vacations and, and our family vacation was like going to Bronick Lake, which is right up 281 before you get to Corpus, right? So or 37. As I got older, I realized like, oh man, the South side growing up, at least on the South side, we're very, um, I guess, sheltered, right? And in, in, in the reverse way, we're not sheltered to protect. We're just sheltered because 
times are not always the best, right? And when you're from the South Side, I think a lot of us, a lot of people that I know that have come from the South Side, we have this fire in us. Like we're going to be, I, I think it's probably something you know, in, in the back of our brain that tells us like, you got to make it out. Like you got to, you know, show everyone that there is good things that come from this because growing up, it's, I mean, the same thing we I'm watching the news and, and even like the joke I said before, when people are like, where are you from? And you see the South side or in that aspect, it was tough, but growing up and even in schooling, they don't, hopefully now it's changed. But, and when I was growing up, it was never like, Hey, we want everyone gets an opportunity to go to college, right? That wasn't a conversation that was had with everyone. It was only if you were maybe in the top 10% or if you were the smart, quote unquote, smart kids. Thankfully, thank God, I was one of those in the top 10%. But in hindsight now, when I look back, my little brother, for instance, he's not dumb at all by any means. He just wasn't in the top 10%. And I would ask him, hey, do they talk to you guys about college? And he's like, no. But they were only focused in because of politics and things like that and and money right because if you can contribute to having this many percentage of kids come out and go to school grants and things like that come to you so in hindsight in an, in, in an adult world and how i look at the world now i'm like gosh at the at that time we suffered in a sense that we were we weren't given as much as maybe some another child or student on the north side that or or in alamo heights or northeast so in hindsight it's it's crazy but in the moment it was fun it was great i loved my my younger years i think just my mentality as a child was i was alone i was the only child for 10 years so it was just me i think also what contributed to my um i guess drive and not really a conversation with my parents my parents were never you have to go to college or you have to get all a's it just kind of was innate i guess but i knew i was different i think when i was growing up and i sh- was shelt i sheltered myself i was very i was bullied i didn't have any friends like of course everyone picked on me so I think I put myself in a bubble and I turned to, because I was so lonely, quote unquote, I would study more. I would do my homework by myself or whatever, right? But the conversation at home was never, you know, there was never any pressure. We kind of, I think my parents, bless their heart, they are, they, you know, they didn't go to college. My, they, you know, they barely graduated high school. I think they just wanted to see that for me, right? I think obviously they wanted better for me, but they didn't know what that looked like. So they didn't know how to push that. You know what I mean? They mm-hmm. graduated and hit the ground running. And I think their first job was like at Whataburger, which is where they met. And they kind of just were working class up until now, you know? So, um, and then my brother came 10 years later when I was already out of school, you know, getting out of school at some point. So, uh, so there was never, yeah, any type of pressure from them. But like I said, I think that the struggle for me growing up was when I started to figure out I was different and I didn't know, I, I was like, am I, I didn't know what the word gay was. Right. So I was like kind of freaking out inside and I had like two friends. And when I think of childhood, I think of that difficult part when I was probably in the high school days, you know what I mean? Of, of figuring myself out and wondering what was going on. And then I had a little brother and I had to be a good role model for him. But then I have this machissimo, like this Hispanic dad who was like the epitome, right? Doesn't go to the doctor, fishing, drinking, you know, like barbecuing in the backyard, the rugged dad. That's what my dad looks like and, and acts like. So that was difficult kind of navigating that and figuring out how am I going to live up to those expectations? Not so much, you know, education wise, because that was just kind of, like I said, innate in me that I just did, you know? And during their situation, 
of what they were working at yeah. or the education that they had or anything like that. Was there ever a moment that you looked at a, at that and said, okay, that I want more for myself. Oh or yeah. I, yeah, need yeah. To, I need to do something different from what they are doing. Oh yeah. So I didn't grow up in a house. So like we, we were always house to house cause we rented. And so we would rent this house and then rent that house or go to an apartment. And so again, at the time I didn't know, but as I started to get older, I was like, God, we're moving again, you know? And so that part was tough because I remember all my friends that I would go to their house and I was always going to the same house. And I remember never wanting, I never wanted to invite friends to my house, not because it was a pigsty or anything. It just wasn't the nicest, right? Like we were renting and rentals typically are not the nicest homes on the South side. So I never wanted people to come over to my house. And that was a trigger for me. Like my mom would be like, Oh, you can invite so-and-so. And I'd be like, Oh, they can't come. But I was lying. I just yeah. didn't want them to come. And it's unfortunate now because I know now that I was embarrassed, right? I was embarrassed of what we had and my parents worked hard for it. So that was a trigger for me when I knew, okay, one day I'm going to buy a house. One day I'm going to have a nice car. One day I'm going to be able to, you know, go to Chili's because I remember that was a big deal. If we were going to go out to eat, going out a fancy dinner for us was Chili's. If not, we were going to get like Fred's fried fish or like, you know, a box of fish or churches or whatever. If we were able to do that. And that um, was on occasion. Correct. Yeah, yeah, it was not. It was always my dad was barbecuing because that's cheaper, right? You can go buy meat and my dad can barbecue or my mom will cook or whatever. So yeah, so definitely I knew that I wanted better. And I think the trigger was the fact that we moved all the time, you know? Yeah. And in your mind, were you connecting, oh, I want better for myself and that means I have to go to school? I think so. You know what's funny you say that? I didn't know where I was going to go to college until literally I think a week before the deadline because... In my head, I just knew I had to go away, quote unquote, because in TV, right, in movies, when you graduate, you go away to college. Like, that's what's depicted as in, in TV and film. So um, I was like, well, I got to go away. And I was looking at the list of colleges and I was like, well, I guess I'll apply here for worst case in San Antonio. Um, but then I, there was, I didn't want to go to A&M just cause I, I, in my head, I was going for the more flashy and UT Austin is like known, right? They're the big Texas school. So I was like, oh, I'll apply there. And I was top 10%, right? So there was a huge possibility that I was going to get in and yeah. So I applied that last week before. And I remember all my friends being so stressed and I was like, well, I don't know. I just know I got to go away. Um, and I ended up getting in and going off. So that was in my head. It wasn't, oh, I got to go to college. It was like, it was more of, I got to go away. I got to get out and go to college because that's what you're supposed to do. There's no other option, which thank God it worked out for a little bit. It was never, I think because I was, like I mentioned before, I was a part of that top 10% at school. It was being hammered in me like, Hey, you're in the top 10%. What score are you going to go to? You get, um, you know, you get scholarships and you get, you know, this, this, and that, if you're in the top uh, percentage. So that was being nailed in my head at school, but not at home. At home, we really didn't talk about it. I actually applying for FAFSA, like financial aid and all that stuff. I, to this day, know by heart my parents' social because I was doing it all myself. I did everything. Applied for financial aid. I asked mom for whatever documents I needed from work. Like I did everything. And not because my parents were neglecting or anything. They were always there. I was always at home with them, you know. I, I was, I've always just been that independent. Like I'm just going to make it happen and do it, you know. You're a go-getter. I think so. And I hate talking about that. It's hard to talk positively about yourself and say like, yeah, I'm a go-getter. I make it happen. But for lack of better words, yeah, like I, I just have always been that way. It's weird. And, and I feel bad because my, my brother, my parents didn't know what to do for my brother when it came for his college. They were calling me like, hey, did you have to fill? I'm like, oh, yeah, I did that. But y'all were supposed to, but I did it, you know, um, just because I knew my parents sometimes had struggles understanding the lingo and and dollar amounts and loans and, and all that good stuff. So I just took it out of their hands and did it myself. And you mentioned 
mentioned bullying yep. earlier. Did any of that, I have to get out, yeah. have to do with any of, any oh, of yeah. that situation well, that you lived? So um, in my younger years, elementary, there was no such thing. It kind of just, we were all kids. And it, it was way different than what with the time we live in now because we didn't know anything about bullying back in the day. I, it's funny because I think back like when I, everyone always asks me like, when did you know you were gay, right? And in hindsight, as an adult, I know what I knew, but I didn't know at that moment. Like, I wasn't thinking in my head, like, I like boys, right? It was more like when I think about how I was acting towards certain boys in my school or, like, in my friend group, I realized back then, like, oh, my God, Ruben, you had a crush on him and you didn't even know it. Um, but anyway, in middle school is when it really hit. So middle school, my parents both worked at the middle school that I went to. So I had lived this double life. Which it, now I knew, I found out as an adult, my parents knew the whole time. But as a kid, you think you're hiding everything and you don't want them to know. But um, I would get thrown into lockers. People would come up to me and be like, you're gay, right? Like, you're gay. And like, make fun of me. And like, I had no friends. But my dad was the head custodian of the school. So he's everywhere. He's walking everywhere, right? And then my mom worked in the offices. So like, I had, or I thought I had to portray like, yeah, I'm f I am a normal kid. I have friends. And then if I was walking in the hall and someone was, I would pray to God that my dad was never around seeing me getting bullied right because i didn't want that i was trying to put on this front um there were times when like i had literally had zero friends and we lived on the southeast side and there was a dollar theater at the time so i would tell my mom like oh a bunch of us are going to the movies and she'd be like oh who's going and i name off random names mm -hmm. and then i'd be like can you drop me off and then pick me up after the movie and she'd be like yeah yeah so we would, she would drop me off and she'd be like where's everybody i'm like oh they're already inside but truth is there was no one there i would go to the movies by myself get my popcorn go to the movies and then i'd call my mom from the payphone tell her to come pick me up and then no one ever knew and i tell people that story all the time because people are like oh that's so sad i'm like well yeah it is but like i don't say it to say that i like to tell people like i haven't always been if you see me on social media or you see me even now talking you would never in a million years think that I was that child, you know, or that kid. But to answer your question, I think that's still in the back of my mind. That is still, to this day I have, like I struggle with when I walk into a room, I'm always on, like I, I'll always make sure that I'm not like the quiet one, but there are instances and it, it, I'm triggered more when it's a group of men, like in the real estate industry, I always go to mixers and it's a man, it's engulfed and, and saturated with men, right? And they're all pretty machismo and they're pretty like, you know, manly men. And so that always, I mean, to this day takes me back. I don't ever show it and I can handle myself very well, but it's something that immediately reminds me like, I have to be someone I'm not. And then I have to remind myself again, like, no, you don't just be yourself. But for the longest time, I always had to try like playing sports in middle school. My dad was like, you got to play football. So I remember I went to the first day and we were sitting in the gym. It was nothing but boys. And that was the first time I had ever been around just all boys. I always had girlfriends that were girls. And, or the few that I had. And so I remember being so, I didn't even want to talk. I remember feeling sick to my stomach. Like uncomfortable. I, so uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. Uh, and then I just didn't go back the next day. And my dad was like, why not? I was like, I just, I finally told him like, I just can't do it. I don't, I don't want to play football. So then soccer was better for me because I don't even know why. I think it just in my head was better. I didn't have to wear, you know, the, the gear and I could just go and kick a ball around. And to me, I don't know why that just was so much more relaxing and calming and it wasn't a contact sport, I guess. Um, and it wasn't so much the contact. I think it was, I don't know. It just seemed more, less intimidating soccer, right? So yeah, so I think it's always been there. And then I went to high school and finally came, like I came out during the time I was in high school and I was a cheerleader in high school. And then of course I became part of like the quote, quote unquote cool clique and everyone was very welcoming. And you know, there were still those naysayers, but I think more than not, more people than not liked me. And then I became captain and that's where like I, bloomed and I was kind of more who I am now but it was not an easy you know journey to get there for sure yeah 
And you mentioned that your, your parents knew what was going on during that time. Yeah. How did you find out? Later, I think like, I think I made a joke one time uh, at home and I was like, oh yeah, for me, I didn't have any friends. Like I would like laugh about it. And my mom was like, yeah, I know we, we knew, we knew you were getting bullied. Like, but, and, but like, I literally would come and I think like nowadays I'm so happy that that happened because I can laugh. It literally has no weight on me. Like, I'm not like, oh yeah, like I don't get sad about it. I'm just so thankful because it made me, it sounds so cliche, but I became the strongest human being. I'm sure there were times I'd go to my room and cry. I don't really remember them. I I don't remember doing that, but I'm sure there were times. Um, But yeah, I never, I I feel like I'm so grateful for that. But yeah, I remember making a joke about it. My mom was like, yeah, I know. You know, you didn't have many friends and like you were so quiet, but, and she, I asked her, I was like, did you know? I was just going to ask. Yeah. Did, I was did like, she did give you know? an explanation uh, of and why? She, she was like, no, well, she's like, I knew that you were bull, like people were making fun of you, but you never showed it. Like you were always like in front of my parents, I would come home and I was the happiest child. Like I never, I've always been that way. I've always dealt with it on my own. And even in my adult life, like I think maybe a handful of people have ever seen me cry. Not because I don't cry, not because, and not because I think it's a show's weakness. I just, or maybe it is, and you know, maybe subconsciously I think people are gonna think I'm weak, but I do not like to cry. And if I cry, it's usually like I'll tear up and I'll be like, oh no, but uh, just a little dab. Yeah, I'll be like, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I, I, it's funny that my parents and I tell them I'm like, what? How did you, you knew? They're like, well, yeah, but we didn't. They didn't know the how intense it was, but they knew that I didn't have that many friends. They didn't know I was like getting thrown into lockers and things like that. They just knew that I didn't have many friends. And when I told them about the movie situation, like I would go to the movie, my mom was like, what? Like you could have been kidnapped. Like how could you? But, um, but yeah, I just, I, I wanted to go to the movies and I didn't have anyone to go with, you know? So why did, why did you feel that you had to seclude what was going on? Oh, keep it to yourself. Yeah. Hands down time? because my dad, it was really my dad. Like I, that's something. And now our relationship is amazing. And you know, but at the time that's when I was truly figuring out I was gay. Like I had girlfriends and that all that, but like I would like hold their hand and I think I pecked one of them on the cheek, like never really kissed him. But that's what it came from. My dad, even in his family, he's one of like eight or nine, nine. And he's the one that they all go to. So all my tias and tios, they all, if growing up, even to this day, like he's the one, like he was the one that would go fight for them. He was the one that would go and, and, you know, he would go, you know, tell someone off or, you know, he would approach people because they weren't mistreating them like that. My dad is that. So for me, I am the junior. My dad's name is Ruben as well. So I, in my head, always had that daunting thought in my head of like, you have to be exactly like him because he's not going to accept anything else, which was true. Once when I came out, that was probably the most difficult, probably year and a half as a child or a teenager that I endured solely because like it was hidden for so long. And then when it finally was like just revealed to him and not by choice, it was like, oh God, like the thing that I most feared was happening. You know what I mean? And he was not talking to me. He was embarrassed of me. He was, didn't want to talk about it. Like, you know, so, so for the so long, I think that's what held it in instead of coming out and saying, these people are not being nice to me. Cause then if I, I knew that if I had to say that they were going to ask me why, and I would have to say out loud, oh, it's cause they're calling me gay. And it was just a word that I didn't even want to say. I didn't even want them to think that I was. I wanted them to never label that as me. Meanwhile, my mom, moms know everything. So mom always felt, and I think, and then I actually lived some moments where dad was, dad knew before I came out and he was making comments about it. And I overheard and that scared me even more because I was like, he can't, I can't, now I definitely can't say anything, you know? Um, But yeah, so I I think that that's why I, I always covered it up because I didn't want to be, labeled as the gay son and all my cousins i mean there's literally no one gay in my whole family so i was the only, i was always the outcast i was always a little different you know um 
And now, of course, all my family, everyone's so, um, for the most part, is um, inclusive and super welcoming and nice and, and accepts me. But How did you guys time, get to that point? To be honest, just... Specifically with your parents. How did you yeah, get so, to that point? So, so when it first happened, when I had to come out or when I came out, it, it actually happened because back in the day, it was MySpace. MySpace was the big thing. And so MySpace was the big thing, and um, I thought I was cool. And I, like, at that time, I was in high school. And so I put on my about me that I had a boyfriend, not thinking, right? When you're that young, you don't think, what if someone sees this? All I was thinking were my parents are not on this platform, so yeah. they're never going to see it. Well, a family member of mine heard or saw, read, told told my dad's sister. And so my dad's sister tells my dad, like, did you know Reuben James? That's my middle name. She's like, did you know Reuben James has a boyfriend? And that just, that was it, you know? So... Um, I remember my, I, I can specifically remember the moment my mom told me, cause I came out to my mom before and it was fine. And she was like, it's okay. Like I begged her not to tell my dad, all these things. So when he found out, I remember specifically my mom looking at me and telling me the words, all she said was your dad knows. And I remember that's all she said. And my heart felt through me. Like I went to my room the rest of the night. I didn't know what to do. The next day, you got that sick feeling. Oh that god, we get in our, so bad. In our like the pit that, of my. Oh yeah, god. yeah, yeah. It I know exactly so what you're bad. talking about. Yeah. And um, my brother was born at the time. We were living with my aunt um, in between homes, and we shared a room. And so I remember getting ready for school in the morning, and I'm like putting on my shoes, and my dad opens the door, and he's like James, and I look up at him, and I'm like yeah, and I'm like shaking, and I remember. I it's weird. I have a horrible memory, mind you. But I do remember this. And he said, um, what's this? I hear you're gay and you have a boyfriend. And just the way that he said the word gay, it was like just the most disgusting thing he had ever said. And I remember at that point being like, okay, now or never. Like, what are you going to do? You're backed into a corner. So I just said, I remember I said, yeah. And he was like, how do you know you're gay? And I was like, at the, now in hindsight, I'm like, what do you want me to say, dad? I like kissing boys. Like what? Right? So I literally just said, I remember shrugging and saying, just because. And that was the last I spoke to him for probably a year um i remember him he slammed the door and then this car ride we all rode together because we only had one car and they both worked at the same place and i went to the school now at the time high school down the road um so yeah i didn't I, it was to the point where I, I was watching at the time disney channel right that's like the time frame i was in so i would be watching like if anything i thought could be somehow related back to being girly or gay i would if my dad walked in and i was watching tv and he wanted to watch tv i would just grab the remote and be like oh here dad you can change it and i would get up and walk out and or like at dinner, bless my mom's heart, she would like try to be making conversation. And if we were at a table together where I was in presence with him, he just wouldn't talk. And I would, it would. Just this be was after he 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 found he out. Found yeah. out. Mm -hmm. yeah. So so, so you, you stayed at home. Oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Like I never had to. I they, he never like kicked me out or it wasn't anything. Like that. I just didn't communicate with him. And it was to the point where like. Um, Did that hurt you? Oh yeah. Like one moment in particular, I was a cheerleader, right? And he hated that, right? Obviously for reasons like that he just was struggling. He yeah. wanted me to be on the football field and not on the sideline. I get that. And especially how he was brought up, right? And I remember being at my senior year. I think it was my senior year of cheerleading. And all my friends already knew. Like I was out. I was the most like flamboyant person. And I was the captain. And I remember we're getting ready. And, and at cheer camp, the last day you have like a show off. And all summer you've been putting this routine together. And you know, you would perform. All the different schools would perform. And one of my friends, Kristen, she's one of my best friends. She comes around the corner. She's like, Ruben, your dad's here. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah. And then I peek over and I'm looking in the audience. And my dad's sitting with my mom. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, no way. Like, I couldn't believe it. So, of course, I was nervous, right? But... 
that moment I thought, oh, it's because he's okay. But then I find out right after that my mom forced him to go, right? So he was still struggling through that whole time. That was the beginning of my senior year in high school. And then, you know, it was hard because my grandpa at the time was still alive. And I think there was a conversation that was being had between my cousin. And my cousin told my dad, like, you know, grandpa knows, right? Oh, God. You would have thought my dad, you would have thought they told my dad that, like, I murdered someone or he was like, what? Like he was so mad because again, he was dealing with it his own. And I think now that I'm an adult, I really can understand. I'm, I have no grudge. I'm not mad. I get that his coming up and his, when he was brought up, the way he was raised, it wasn't okay. You know, a boy was a boy and a girl was a girl. And if you're a boy, you do this. And if you're a girl, you do that. So he was just so embarrassed. And I remember he, my cousin was telling me that he was like, not my son. Like, not my son. His son, his son, all the other people's son, not mine. And so that's when it clicked to me. I was already in college when he, that, that conversation was had. And I was like, that's what it is. And it's what I always feared was that his son, the junior of the most manly, strong man in the family, is now not. And I think my dad also thought that being gay men, I was at the clubs with my shirt off and making out with a guy, you know, like I'm going to get some type of disease or like whatever, right? That's what... Can you imagine he, the worst, basically? Correct. Um, which it's nice to see now, oh, 180. At my wedding, he was crying. He was happy. Like he, you know, he was, he's always all about me. He's sharing my stuff on social media. Like he got a tattoo, like my tattoo. Like he is a whole different person. He's but, team Ruben Jr. Oh, for sure. For sure. And, but it's because he's older now. You know, he has a bigger heart. My brother has had a daughter. He has a soft side for her. He's super like, I mean, he's just a different person now. So that all happened. And I think all of that, that I went through, Definitely built me up to say like, like screw what anyone else thinks because I'm not doing that again. I'm not hiding myself. I'm very much so like be who you want to be, do what you want to do. I'm all about, you know, inspiring people because I don't want, whether it be because you're gay or not, or you're just wanting to be an actor and your parents want you to be a lawyer, whatever it may be, it kills me. Like that will get me emotional. If I'm, if I'm like, if I'm watching a movie or something and that is being depicted, I'm like, Oh, it, that will kill me. If someone's like hiding who they truly are because they're afraid of what other people are going to say. Have your parents ever come to you and, and apologized or no, no? actually no. You know, my mom's always been team me. Like okay. she's always let me be like when she found out, she was like, Oh, she like, she always used to tell me like, Oh, you're the daughter. You're like the daughter I never had. Cause I would go shopping with her and whatever, all the things. But no, never apology. But I think it's coming, I think, one day. Um, because my dad is just, like I said, a different person. So if I were, it would it would be something that I would have to approach him with. You know, mm -hmm. I, he wouldn't Do you feel me. like you, you need? I don't know. Like that if, I go closure? back and forth. I go back and forth because now when I'm with my, oh, I give him a hug, like give him a kiss. Like we joke, like, you know, I would never even have said the word gay in front of him. And now like we're, we're at family functions, I'll make jokes. And like everyone laughs and he'll laugh, you know. So... I don't know if I need it. I'm sure if I went to therapy or something, they'd be like, yeah, you probably should, you know, you should wrap that up and really put a bow on it. But um, I don't feel like I do. I do think that there are times my dad still gets a little uncomfortable. For instance, like if me and my husband go over, we're there at their house or whatever. I think he doesn't know. I don't think I've ever heard him say, this is my son's husband. That's more my mom will say like, oh, this is David. He And I don't know if it's because he just isn't, that's not his personality that's, He's anyway. still not there yet, maybe. Yeah, or and that's also not his personality to be like, oh, this is my, like, he's not outgoing like that. You know what I mean? So that's something that I think about sometimes, like, man, I think I, maybe I should have a conversation with him, but I know him and he'll just shrug it off. He'll be like, I love you. Like, I love you no matter what. And he'll, and I think that's as far as he'll ever get, you know, and I'm okay with that. 
just because like I know where we were at and I know where it is now and it's never probably going to be as if I was like a manly man that watched sports and was like, yeah, you know, I know that it's not like that, but he gets that with my brother and that's what I was, I was fearful of as well. Like, God, what if my brother's gay? Like, Jesus, Lord. Like, I would pray. I remember I'd pray at night, like, please don't be gay. Please don't be gay. Because then, one, it would be probably my fault, right, in his eyes. At the time, I thought that at least. And then at the same time, I was like, God, like, what gave me comfort was like, it's okay. My brother's going to do football. My brother's going to be the one that does all the things, which he did. He played football. He did basketball. He then had a baby. You know, like, all the things that you would want your son to do or to, to provide. Um, so now that's the dynamic. Like my brother's the dad, even though he's 10 years younger than me, he has a daughter and he's, you know, he just graduated college and he has his little family and I'm the gay son that has a husband and is the one that's always out and about and doing the things and always on social media. And so I think that is my role now. And they're very proud of that. Um, but I, that's what my next goal in life is just to prove a little bit more. And I think that's just my personality always on to the next thing. But like it gives me, and it's probably, again, I should probably go to therapy for it, but it gives me so much happiness when my parents are like sharing something on social media and they're like, look what my son did. Like, look at the house he sold. Or right now I'm nominated for the S or I'm getting nominated for SA Current's best of different categories. And so they're always sharing like, don't forget to vote for my son. And that for me, they think I'm the most famous probably realtor in San Antonio in my parents' eyes because they're from the South side and they don't get out as much. Right. But but in their eyes, I am the best realtor. Like if you, if they, it's not that it's because I'm their son. They truly do believe because I'm everywhere on social media and I do podcasts and whatever it may be. They're like, oh my God, you should hear what my son does. I could, in, my, in their eyes, I think they think like I live in LA, but I live here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I like that though. I want them to live. I want them to, they, I know that they worked hard and I want them to feel that. That makes me feel good. So I don't know if I'll, if I'll ever have to have a conversation for me, but maybe when I get older, when I have a child, it might be a little bit different. You know what I mean? I might mm-hmm. feel like, okay, we need to talk about this. There might be somebody in, in the situation that you were in, mm-hmm. maybe during that time period where you and your father weren't speaking. Yeah. During that time, at any moment, did you ever foresee yourself being where you are now? Absolutely not. Absolutely if, if not. There, and if there's somebody listening that maybe is in that situation, what could you say to them? I would say... Well, first, no, I never thought that I would ever, 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 ever be where I am now. I thought that I was going to be in Austin, which is where I went to college, and I thought I was just going to never come back. Because I would rarely come back home, too, because I didn't want to face it. As I was in college, I was growing, and I was evolving, and I was being more comfortable in my skin, and I was able to dress a certain way and talk a certain way and carry myself. And and at this time, you're, you're, you and your father's relationship was still not still, in a yeah. good place. Oh, yeah. It, was, it, was, it got better. Like we, were, we would talk, right? But once I went to college, it was like, hey, me home. Proud of you. You know, it was like a little hug, like a side, like yeah. very minimal. Um, but um, but yeah, so what I would say is for me, I was so scared of it and I would be, I'm a hypocrite in saying like I didn't want to address it, but I think that's the most important thing to do is to address it in that moment and say like, take me for who I am or leave me. What's your choice? And one thing I even tell my husband all the time, you know, just because, and God forbid, it's, it's, it's easier said than done. But if, regardless if they're your brother, sister, mom, dad, cousin, neighbor, best friend, twice removed, whoever it is, if they are toxic in your life, you give them the decision. And if they don't want to accept you for who you are, then that's it. You can cut ties. And I think now that I'm older, I have that mentality. I'm like, if you're toxic for me and you're just not going to accept me and you're going to make me uncomfortable, I always say, like, I don't fuck with them. And everyone always makes fun of me. But I, and they're like, well, you can't just. 
And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, when I say I don't fuck with you, it doesn't mean that I'm just going to ignore you, that I'm going to be petty. And I'm like, I just don't give you any type of energy. Like, I'll say hello to you. I'm going to be cordial, all those things. But I'm not going to I'm not gonna wish you a happy birthday, right? I'm not going to put myself in situations with You're you. You're not going to expect anything from them I'm either. not going to give you an energy just as, as you've given me none, right? So I would encourage people to do, whether it be your dad, mom, whoever, like give them the choice and tell them your wholehearted feelings on how they're making you feel. Because if that is an eye-opening to them and they can't see how hurt you are and how uncomfortable you are and they're not going to change their ways or even try to, then you move on and you find the people and surround yourself with people that are going to lift you up. Cause that's what I did in Austin. I had a group of friends and I was me and they loved me for me. And you know, some of their parents loved me for me. And that's where I think I filled that void. And I think that's also why I don't feel a certain way because I was able to get that from friends and cousins and, and friends, parents that loved me and saw me for who I was. And, and so I think that helped me kind of mold out of it. Um, but yeah, my biggest piece of advice would just to be, honest with them, say how you feel. And if they can't accept that, give them time. Because what I've learned as, as I've gotten older is that we're all brought up differently. Just as we were all taught different languages growing up, we were all taught different, you know, ethics and morals and family. And I mean, there's so many different dynamics that we, that's what makes us great, right? We're all different. And I think for so long, we, we were so focused. And there are people like this that are so focused on, well, like, you're, uh, you know, you're homophobic. Well, it's like, unfortunately, maybe they are homophobic. But that sometimes doesn't always mean that they have hate in their heart for gay people or anyone in the LGBTQ community. They only know what they were taught. And unfortunately, it comes from the top, right? My grandpa taught my dad to be a certain way. But that's because he was in World War II. He was part of a time that, unfortunately, like it was the AIDS pandemic and there was a lot, you know what I mean? There's so many bad connotations with being gay that I had to realize. And that's why I think I don't have any animosity towards it because I'm like, I get it now. I get it. It's what we're living through with Black Lives Matter, but not, right? Like in a different way, it's like we have to educate people and show them that like, look at me and I'm a gay realtor and I'm able to sell just as much as this straight realtor, if not even more, you know, so, so I know that it doesn't define me, but I do know where it comes from, you know, for people that are of an older age or a different demographic, you know? Yeah. And I'm really glad that you, that your case was different to other cases that I've heard yeah. of, whereas, uh, your relationship with your parents, you know, turned out fine yeah. and, and you have a relationship with your father. I'm, Oh, you there's know. so many that I'm not. Yeah. 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 So like, many. Yeah. And that, I can't imagine how that feels because I know people that it's kind of spiraled them. And when they feel like they had no one, they just spiraled and in, spiraled into whether it be drugs, alcohol, or just settling, right? Maybe it spiraled them into just working some job that barely pays them and yeah, not getting by. by. You know what I mean? Because they're just dealing with so much. Um, so yeah, I, I, that's why I don't like to like, I don't like to tell my sob story like of, you know, being bullied. And I do like it cause I hope that it empowers people and shows them if they did suffer from that or they are going through that, that there's definitely a light. There's always a light. Right. But I don't like to talk about it as much because I know there's things way worse. There's so much worse than what I, you know, endured, especially on the family side, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. There's still family members of mine. Some of them didn't come to my wedding cause they're very religious and they chose that. And I'll be honest, I was so angry and I, I got married three years ago. I was so angry. I was like, how dare they? Like, and I was, a, a, I was already in my late twenties when I got married. And so I was more, more matured then. But even now in hindsight, 
I'm still not over it. Those individuals that didn't come to my wedding, but I, like I said before, I don't fuck with them. But I'll say hi at Easter yeah. and at you know so and so's birthday, whatever. I mean, it's because at the end of the day, we all want to be accepted. Yeah, right? and I don't know regardless why it's so of what your sexual orientation exactly. is, or or what your skin color. Or, yes, yeah, regardless, like, we all want acceptance. We're all looking for that. We're all mm-hmm. craving that from We're day all number humans. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, it is, is going to be a little hurtful, yeah. you know, but. Yeah. You'll get over it. Yeah, exactly. And so Life will they, on. you know? Yeah, exactly. And so I try not to like dwell on it um, at all, really. But it, it does sting whenever you're at a, an event, you know, or like, I'll, for an example, we were at, um, I think it was my grandfather's birthday one year. And um, said person came to me and put my hand on my shoulders and like, hey, Mio, like, have, congratulations. I heard your wedding was great. And I turned over my shoulder and my dad was right there. I'm very much so like my dad, like, I'm a Leo. I don't know if you know what the horoscopes, but Leos are very, like, we're lions. We're very strong. And we're very people people, but don't piss us off. And so when he said that, I looked at my dad from across the way, and he saw me, and I looked back at that said person, and I was like, oh, really? It was beautiful. I was like, why didn't you come? You said you couldn't come. Why, why couldn't you come? I wanted him to tell me to my face. I had only heard, right? And, oh, yeah, well, we got, and I was like, oh, it's because I got married to a man. I was like, it's okay. You don't have to lie. It's okay. It's okay. And I turned around and my dad was like, stop it. Like, right, because it was Easter or whatever it was. But um, but I remember I just needed him to know that I knew. And that's okay. Like, just, but I'm so for owning your truth if you just can stand up strong and say, this is what I believe. When it comes to politics, anything like that, I just say, let's not beat around the bush. I, I will appreciate you and I will hands down, I'll applaud you. If you can look me in my eye and say, like, I just don't agree with you getting married to a guy. I would say, you know what? I appreciate, thank you for telling me that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But in that moment, it was just kind of like, ah. Um, so so anyway, I, I think that that's how I live my life through and through, though. I think kind of relating it back to real estate, I think for the for the first beginning of my career, which was not that long ago, I, I'm going on my third year of real estate. And when it first started, I did not want to go to mixers kind of because of the male right dominance. But it was hard because I didn't see any gay realtors. And I thought, like, I want to walk in with a cute bag and look fashionable and not wear a three-piece suit. I want to look cute and I want to go in and I want to talk. And I was so like, oh, my God, I can't do that. For the first six to eight months of real estate, I was trying to be someone I was not. Like, I wasn't posting anything that could be taboo on any social media. I wasn't taking a stance on Black Lives Matter because I was afraid I wasn't going to get clients. And then quickly I realized, if they don't want me to be their realtor, they don't need to be my client, you know? Now I'm very much like that. Like, I'm going to be who I want to be. I'm going to say what I want to say, obviously, respectfully. And I'm not going to, not in a demeaning way, but I'm going to stand up for what I believe in. And hopefully that translates and people will see either they, you know, relate to me or they don't. You know what I mean? So take us back to UT. Oh, good times. You kind of left everything Mm -hmm. behind over here in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. You were able to get out. Yeah. What was that At the age of 17. So I graduated college at 17 because of my birthday, the way that it falls. So I was in Austin by myself. And what people don't realize is, or they may realize, but it's not, maybe doesn't register is that the University of Texas at Austin is predominantly white and Asian. Okay. There's a very, very small, I I, want to say at the time when I was there, the percentage was like a two, it was like two or 3% were black or Hispanic slash Mexican American combined. Right. So there was not a lot of us. And I'm from the south side of San Antonio where everyone looked like me, right? Everyone was Hispanic of some Hispanic descent, right? Of Latin descent. There were like, you know, four or five African-Americans in my school, which is a lot for the south side, right? We're predominantly Hispanic. But that was normal for me. Everyone was normal. There was maybe two white people in the whole school. That's including half of me because I'm half white. So like there wasn't a lot of them. And so going to UT, 
it was like everywhere you turn, people were driving Mercedes and these 19-year-old kids and where we were taking the Greyhound back and forth, right? Because we didn't have a car at the time. So that was just culture shock. I would take people under my wing if they came from my high school after I kind of was later on in college because I remember my very first semester, I would lay in my bed crying. I was so homesick. I was like, as soon as the semester's over, I'm transferring to UTSA. I'm coming back home. I can't do it. It was, and it wasn't anything bad. It was just. Did you just not feel welcome? Yeah. Like I, for instance, one time I was in Spanish class my very first semester and we had little, we had to make the little name tags. And at the time it was just Valdez. It was my last name, right? So I have my, it was the, maybe the second day of school. We had little table tent things. And this girl next to me, I think she, I want to say she was from Alabama. She was like in her little country accent. She was like, why are you in this class anyway? And I looked at her and I was like, oh, not thinking anything, right? I was uh-huh. just like, well, because we if one for our degree. We had to. Um, I was like, oh, and I don't know Spanish. And she was like, how do you not know Spanish? Your last name's Valdez. And I, it hit me in that moment. I was like, oh, my God. Like, this is what everyone thinks, right? Because the same way that I'm culture shocked, they're shocked by by what I come from, yeah. right? So I look over at her and I'm like, I don't speak Spanish. She's like, yeah, you have an accent. At, right now, you speaking to me, I probably don't have an accent. When I go back, if I'm on the South Side for a long time, I think my, I think the it's mistaken for a, a Mexican accent, but it's really just like a ghetto South Side accent. <laughs> and so at the time I had that because I was fresh from it, you know? Uh-huh. And so she's like, you have an accent? And I was like... And I laughed. I was like, oh, no, you're probably, I have a, like a South Texas accent, not a Mexican accent. She was like, are you sure? Like, she was just so mindful yeah, that yeah. I didn't know Spanish. And so little things like that. Um, and of course, going back to the culture of them driving nice cars. And like, I mean, it was crazy. Um, so, so at UT, on top of all that, it's like a private public school. It's super difficult for no freaking reason. Um, it's a very, very difficult school. And so it, on top of the, you know, the school, on top of the, the community that you're around, you really had to go out and find the niche of people, right? The the people that were like you. Thank God I found that um, with the community of a group called the Hispanic Business Student Association. So it was all the people from the hood of Dallas, all the people from the hood of Houston. And I say the hood because most of the Hispanics that were at UT, we were there um, on scholarship, which was a Longhorn Scholar. And if you were a Longhorn Scholar, you came from a, a school that had federal funding. Right. Okay. So free breakfast, free lunch, things like that. Yeah. And we all just kind of clicked. gravitated to each yeah, other. And, we all, and then a lot of us joined this community, this group. And um, we were the number one, you know, student organization on campus. And it was amazing. Like we got camping and we did all these like professional events and it was super cool. But they were all like me. And at that point, and it took a while to find that. But once I found that group. It changed my college experience around. And then I cheered for UT um, for one year, which was great and it was fun. Um, but it re- I hated it so much because it reverted me back to being in high school, in middle school. Because, fun fact, UT cheerleading is more of like a modeling gig. It's not, yes, you have to have talent and you have to be a great tumbler and things like that. But if you, as a male at least, if you look like a southern boy and you have some type of cheer background or you're strong or whatever... You are probably going to make it. So I remember trying out. It's this horrible audition process that takes forever. Um, and I, every time I would make a cut, I would be like, wow, like what the hell? How am I making it? Because I was against, I'm talking like, I wish you were, people could see right now, but I'm not muscular. Like I'm not this huge guy. And the way that they um, would get people to try out, they would go into the gym on campus, the, the pretty girls, and they would, you know, work out in the gym and they would see buff guys and they'd be like, hey, do you like to, do you like football? And they'd be like, yeah. And they'd be like, well, how about you come try out for cheer? You get to lift us pretty girls up and you get to go to every football game on the, on the floor, by, you know, close, blah, blah, blah. So we had people that 
tried out for football, the football team at UT and didn't make it and that were on the cheerleading team. Baseball people that didn't make the baseball team. So people that were very athletic but never did cheerleading in their whole life. They were just really strong and they could lift a girl because they were strong. Whereas I was very tiny and smaller than what I am now. And I could tumble, so that's what I had going for me. None of the other guys could. So anyways, I made the team, long story short. But again, it's a modeling gig. And at the University of Texas at Austin, at the, at the time, they were very Southern. So I couldn't act gay. I could. I, I was always walking on eggshells because all the guys, like, outly gay, I was the only one. There were closeted to a couple of them that were gay. I knew they were. It was like we had that understanding. Yeah. But they were never out. And so they were playing a part, and I was playing a part. And it just became exhausting. And you had to ask if you wanted to get a haircut. And how you had to show a picture of what your hair was going to look like, whether you're a boy or a girl. Um, you always had, you like, I couldn't style my hair for games. It had to just be, like, down to the side, like, kind of, like, parted. It was just kind of exhausting. And because of that, you know. But you didn't know this going into it. Oh, no, no, you no. I was like, yeah, I'm going to try it. And I, I, actually, I auditioned when I was a junior in college. So it was my la- at the end of the year. So I was already who I am. You know what I mean? Okay. And then I had to kind of, dim- you know, d- dump her down or dimmer it down a little or simmer it down. But, um, but yeah, so and the coach was just very, he was a hard ass and he was very like alpha male and everything you would think like a football coach was. It was in a cheer coach. Thankfully, I look back on it. I look on it now. Like I look at the cheer program in, at UT and they've changed coaches and they are just so much different than what they were when I was there. I was at the tail end of the traditional University of Texas cheer team. Um, now they're a little bit more modern and they do have, there's gay guys on the team and they're not as like, you know, picture perfect, which is okay. But they were always, and I think for the alumni and they were always trying to paint a picture. We, we, when I was there, it was very Southern and whitewashed and like you couldn't be, they had the trophy black girl, the trophy black guy, they had the trophy Hispanic, like the rest of them were white. It was obvious what they were doing. You know what I mean? Um, but that's just, no one questioned it because that's just the way it was. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I did that for one year and then I quickly did not try out again, (laughs) but, uh, but it was cool because I got to, again, back to my parents, they get to come to, you know, parent weekend and I got to, they got to experience their college game and like a true experience, you know? Um, so that was fun and I put that under my belt and, um, but I would never do it again. It was, it was not fun. It wasn't bad. It just wasn't fun. Yeah, it just wasn't. Like, I hate it. I would go thing. to Destiny, um, Destiny Nevada. I would go to her dorm room. And when we were really getting close at the time, and I'd be like, oh, can I take a nap in your room before I have to go to cheer practice? Because I didn't want to have to drive to my apartment on the bus and then have to come back. So I would go and take a nap in her dorm and then get up and I would have to get ready. And I'd be whining the whole time. And they'd be like, Ruben, just quit. And I'd be like, no, like, I can't. Like, I was just like, I don't want to go. And yeah. <laughs> But UT, it was a great experience getting out of college and, 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 you know, going to graduation. And that was amazing. You know, it's over. Um, I wear my college ring all the time because, again, coming from the South Side, I like to show, like, when people are like, oh, you went to UT? I'm like, yeah, they're like, uh, SA? And not that there's anything wrong with UTSA. It's a branch of UT. I think that all the education is the same. But there is something to say that UT, UT Austin is not UTSA. And so immediately people are like, SA? And I'm like, no, Austin, you know, and so that's, I'm prideful about that because again, not a lot of people can get into UT, especially these days, but more so like to be able to have gone through it and live over there. I lived there for, I moved out. I left San Antonio when I graduated in 2012. I didn't move back. No, not 2012, 2008, sorry. 2008 is when I graduated high school and I moved back around 2014. So I was there for a while. I graduated and then stayed there a year and a half after I graduated. Um, so and during this that. time, uh, while you're in college, what are you thinking career-wise? Oh, God. What, See, what were your plans there? I'm glad you asked me that. So I'm, I, I kick myself in the butt almost on a weekly basis. 
My degree is in public relations and marketing. I, my dream was to be someone's publicist or to be some type of, of correspondent on the red carpet or I'm, I, it sounds so, um, I guess full of myself to say like, I know that I'm meant for something bigger. Even right now, to this day, as I'm sitting here in front of you, I'm in my brain, this isn't only the beginning for me. I know there's more. I, I, and I have, I have to, I tell people this all the time. You have to believe that. If not, why the hell are you waking up every day? You have to believe that there is something more. And for me, I feel it innate in my body because at the time, um, I was on scholarship and things like that. And I got offered and I got into a pro program called UTLA, which was for the summer, I was going to be swift away to LA and they have a campus of University of Texas in LA. And then you have to go out and get an internship, right? You have to go find it. But for a summer, if you can get an internship, you're taking courses there that, that correspond with the, with the entertainment industry. And, um, I didn't go because it was just really expensive and my parents couldn't afford it. And we already had all the loans for school. I could have, in hindsight, I'm like, shit, Ruben, why didn't you just like get a job and work your ass off and go the next summer? But I didn't think that. It was just like, shit, I can't go. So I had to turn it down. And I never went. And a girl that went when I went ended up getting a, a, an internship with Psycho Records, which is Simon Cowell um, Records. And then um, after graduation, she worked there. She was there for like the whole X Factor things, all the things she would always post. And I was like, that could have been me, you know? Um, so I always kick myself in the ass that I never moved to LA because that's where I would have thrived. Would, would I have made it? I don't know, but there's always a what if in my yeah. mind. So that's what I always wanted to do. I always wanted to be in the entertainment industry. So, um, when I didn't do that for a little bit, I was lost. Um, I did intern at a place called triple eight management in Austin. They managed uh, like the Eli young band, Josh Abbott. So I got my taste of that. Um, but I was an intern, so I did like intern things. Um, but it was fun. Um, but then that was short lived, and I'm not a country fan, so I just really didn't relate to it. Uh, so yeah, so then I was like, well, I just got it. And then I turned in, and then it was just survival mode because I graduated, I didn't have a job still. So I was like, oh my God. What I, do I do with this degree? I was working, yeah, I was working at uh, the, uh, the Hyatt at the front desk for a long time. And then finally, one of the internships that I did have when I was in my, like, I think sophomore or junior year of college was here in uh, San Antonio. It was with Outside the Box Productions. Um, and they, at the time, did Eva Longoria's, uh, like, Celebrity Casino Night. They were in charge of that. They work really closely with a lot of different organizations. And so I had an internship there. They offered me a job shortly after I graduated, thank God. Um, and then I quickly realized that that was not for me. Once I got that, I wasn't an intern anymore. I was actually working there. It was miserable, the, just everything about it. So I went back to the Hyatt, and I worked for the hospitality industry for... I started in 2012 in Austin, and I stopped in 2016. And what and you were, what you were doing there was uh, related to your degree or no? For the longest time, I was a front desk agent, and then I went into events, and I was like a coordinator, like I, I was an assistant. And then I went to being like a day of coordinator, but still no management position. And then I got stuck there, and they wouldn't hire me as a manager because I was too young, quote unquote. I didn't have enough background right so then i left the hyatt and i could because i got a, a manager job at the westin on the riverwalk and then i was an event planner so kind of because i was using my personality and skills to market and get people to come have their wedding and bar mitzvahs and things like that at the westin but not specific to what i wished i was doing i didn't start using truly using my degree until i left the industry the hospitality industry and i started working at a cheer and dance facility an all-star cheer and dance facility i cheered my whole life and one of my coaches became one of my best friends and then owns a gym it's called san antonio spirit she had been trying to get me to work for her since they opened for like about two years and i was like nicole unless you can pay me what i'm making here as a manager 
Like I would always tell her like, what if the price is right, Bob, you know? <laughs> and finally she was able to hire me on and I worked there for three years. I was the director of PR and marketing. So I was in contact with all the, you know, radio and TV and getting us on good day, great day and all the things, right? Campaigns on social media. I was doing the things that I learned, but I learned quickly there that, you know, there was no going, moving up for me. I was already the director, quote unquote, but it was still a, a small business. And so there was really no moving up as far as pay is concerned, as far as, you know, responsibility. That's kind of where I was at. And I just felt stagnant after being there for three years. And so um, I rent, came to the journey of like, what is my next step? Like, this is the last career move I'm going to make because I've worked in the hospitality and then I jumped to this and everyone knows me as like cheerleading. I'm always with cheerleaders and I know they don't take me serious. That's for sure. So as far as because I was always in basketball shorts and a t-shirt at the cheer gym. That's just how I dressed because we didn't have a dress code, right? And then I was like, I'm going to do real estate. I don't know why. It just, I met Carlos, who is my team lead, who also knows a mutual friend of ours, Zulema. And, um, and so I met with him. He did Zumba with them and he was in real estate. And I was like, you know what? I know it's my personality. And then I started thinking, how can I use real estate? And I was like, I can make this my own. I can make this be the vessel of how I want to reach I want to get a platform and the way I can get a platform, if I'm a real estate agent, everyone's going to need real estate, right? Everyone wants to buy a house and I'll just segue and make my own lane in real estate. And that was my thought. Like, maybe I can do it. And if not, whatever, like I'll go back to the cheer gym, right? I know she'll hire me back basically in my head. Um, and that's just how I got to where I am now. But I, going back on the question you asked me about what I, what I thought I was going to do, there's been so many instances and I haven't talked about this really publicly, but I made it like to the final round of auditions for the show called The Circle. It's on Netflix. It's a really cool show. It's like Big Brother, but via social media and you can win money and it's blowing up. And I was, I was like, oh, this is it. This is the platform that I always wanted. I made it. Like, I'm going to get it. The auditions were going great. It was all via Zoom. I made it to the final round. Netflix producers were message emailing me. I was getting all the correspondence. I was like, I'm in. And then one day I got the email and they were like, we're going a different route. We found someone else. Like, we found a different group of people. You're not in that group. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I thought that was it. That was my out. Yeah. That was my, and my husband always gets mad at me. He's like, why do you want to be famous for um, real reality TV? And I'm like, it's not because I want to be famous. Like, yes, of course, everyone wants everyone to know who they are. That's like, or at least people like us, right? Our personalities are very that. Um, but more so it's because little Ruben needed that. Little Ruben, when I was younger, needed to see this Ruben making it where I didn't see anyone like me. I didn't see, I want to be able to go back to my high school and give money and, and, and make people excited and happy. And, and that's, that, that's my end goal. Right. And so since I can't do it through quote unquote being famous, I was like, I'm going to do it through being a real estate agent. And yes, real estate agent is my, being a realtor is my career, right? Like that is how I put food on the table. That is how I pay for my house. Right. But at the same time, like I'm able to inspire people on if like on my social media, I'm constantly just trying to bring people up and 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 let them know, look, if buying a home is what your goal is, that's great. I'll make your dreams come true. Your dream is possible. But if not, if your dream is to make it, guess what? Look what I'm doing. And I came from this and now I'm here. I went from making at the cheer gym probably around like $35,000, $40,000 a year to making six figures now with real estate, which I never would have thought in a million years that one day I'd, I would be able to go to Target and not, not that I'm like balling or like have all this money coming yeah, out of my butt. But not know? necessarily having to look at the price before you immediately, pick something right? up. Immediately, right? Yeah. Immediately. There are times that I'm like, oh, that's 90 bucks. Nah, I'm like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm going to go for the $80, whatever. Yeah. But that's just human to me. But I never in a million years thought that I could, even my Mother's Day, 
But before I'd be like, oh my God, I have to save starting like in three months because I need, now I'm like the week of, I'm like, shoot, what do I want to get my mom this year for Mother's Day? And I can go to wherever and buy it. And, and again, it's not just the money thing. It's just the comfortability. And then the fact that I finally am able to do what I always, at least a smidget of what I always wanted to do, which was have that platform. And um, my, one of my, my mission statement as a real estate agent is, um, you know, I'm gonna, I want to use real estate as a vessel to inspire people, but also educate people that may not have been knowledgeable about homeownership. And it's true. Like I've been able to help so many people from the South side, family members buy houses. My parents bought their very first house with me. They never could buy a house before. They didn't have the credit. I helped them build their credit and got at the age of like 53, they bought their very first house. And that means something to me. Um, and there's many other clients like them. So if it's through that, then great. And if it's through, you know, inspiring people doing, doing podcasts like this, then that too. But still in my body, in my heart of hearts, I know like I'm meant for something more. I don't know what it is, but I just feel it. And I, I'm hoping one day that makes sense in my head. You know, when I'm 45, 50 years old, I'm like, oh yeah, here I am. This is where I was meant to be, you know? Um, but if I'm not, I'm probably still going to be that person trying to go to the next level and climb that ladder. Cause I, I just, something in my heart tells me like something's coming and I don't know if it's tomorrow or in five years, but I just feel it. Take me to that moment where you talk to your friend about, okay, I want to go into real estate. Ugh. What do I need to do? Yeah. How do I like, how did, how did you even get started? How, what did you do? Well, I mean, the, there's a lot of people, honestly, there's a lot of people who are wanting to take that leap and go into real estate yep. and they're just like on the fence because a they lot. don't know where to go to, who to, who to talk to, where to, where to even start. Yeah. So when I, when I spoke to him, the crazy thing is this is like in January, the world was about to shut down in January week, of 2020. Okay. I had no, none of us knew what was about to happen. Yeah. We kind of knew COVID-19 was coming around, but we didn't know the impact it was no going to i remember have. actually it was um i went to a cheer competition a national cheer competition in dallas and they were kind of talking about it and i remember they had said it was coming from china and i remember walking around and they for the first time ever there was like a thousand hand sanitizer machines right mm -hmm. and that's what we thought the most was going to be so anyway that was in january and so when i signed up for classes i got my classes done quickly um like within a month and a half which is unheard of but i was on a i was I, i'm a go-getter like i was like i gotta get this done um so i finished and literally got my license and the next week the world shut down like literally offices closed can't go anywhere real estate agents weren't considered um necess necessity or whatever the word was um but prior to that i went to champions school of real estate and they are by far hands down there in dallas houston austin here um amazing just the curriculum and then the cool thing about it is that if you purchase like an exam prep through them it's unlimited you could take it every day if you wanted to um, and then of course you have, cause it's preparing you for that state and national exam that you have to take in order to get your license, just like a teacher does, just like anybody else. But it, it wasn't as scary because the market wasn't crazy at the time. It was just another job. Whereas right now I can see that there's probably a lot of pressure because a lot of people are hearing like, oh, the market's so great. Real estate agents are doing great. So you, there's this unknown more so than what it was when I did it. Right. When I did it, it was like, there was an unknown of course, but there wasn't like, is the market going to crash? Is it going to do better? Is it, it was just a regular job. You just. Go out and do your thing, right? So now I can see that there's a lot of pressure for people that wanting to that are wanting to do it. And I, my advice would be number one, go to Champions and purchase the bundle of classes. It's nine hundred and like eighty dollars, which is ch the cheapest education you can get for any you know license or degree, in my opinion. And that covers your books, all six classes, everything you need in order to take that exam. Um, and so Champions, I would say start there. But the second thing is just know more more now than ever. It's 
a hustler's world because every day there's new agents coming onto the market. And they're not necessarily your um, competition because I always tell people like, I'm confident that you can't do what I do, but also I can't do what you do, right? And so that's the biggest thing, taking the leap, but also knowing that like, have a backup plan, right? Like try to get your license while you're working your, your nine to five, you know, there's self-paced classes and you can take them at night and you just read through the chapters, take the quiz, take the quiz, take the quiz. And then, but by the time you know it, if you do a quiz a night, you know, you are going to get through the classes quickly. So when I was going into it, I didn't have this pressure because the world had it, the world wasn't crazy. But when I did get it and I finally, literally my broker signed my license and was like, yeah, you starting, you're a part of our brokerage. The next week the world shut down. And I was like, uh, what am I going to do? Cause I was still working at the cheer gym though. So I was able to, I still had a job, but I was like, shit, like, how <laughs> am I going to learn? Yeah. How am I going to learn? You know? So All it worked out. It worked out though. Thank God. Because I ended up somehow through social media. One of the things that I always tell people is I documented my process. So while people were seeing, I, I would put like pass another test. And throughout the time, people were so engaged and they were a part of my journey that as soon as I said, got my license, People wanted to see me succeed. And they were like, hey, well, we have a cousin. We have a sister. We have a blah, 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 right? And that helped. And so once I got... So that's how you got your your clientele kind of by word of mouth. By word of mouth. I literally didn't pay for any type of marketing. It was all word of mouth. My very first client was my cousin. Um, I, I, a, A lot of people don't know that when you're a real estate agent, you can be an apartment locator. And so also people don't know is that apartment complexes will pay out sometimes 100%, sometimes 200%, sometimes 50% of the first month's rent to the agent. So if you have a lot of friends that are looking for apartments, I'll just go with them, tour the apartment, boom, they sign, you're there. And it takes like 30 or 90 days, they have to live there for so long. And then they send you a check. And that would help me um, a lot. But uh, but really it was because I had brought people along the journey and they felt invested. And so people wanted to see me succeed. And I think that's, I owe that to everyone that you know helped me at the beginning or took a chance on me because they knew that I didn't know what I was doing, right? But yeah, and then once I made enough I had enough transactions, which was about four or five transactions that equated to the amount of money I would have made in a whole year, but I made it for the last six months. So once I realized I had enough in savings, I quit my other job because I knew if I didn't have any other closing from August to December, I was going to be okay because I made just as much as I did in a whole year at my old job. So I had time to then, if I didn't make a sale next week or next month or the month after that, I was going to be okay. You know, so I planned it that way. It was crazy. So how do you... I mean, we're almost halfway through the year. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. It's How, crazy. Wh- what do you see yourself doing for the rest of 2022? What are, as, what are your expectations as... for yourself? And I know of one of them because I, I saw the, the post of the goal that you the set for yourself. The million dollar goal. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. But what other expectations do you have for yourself as a realtor? As a realtor? Oh, God. So as a realtor, I, I'm hoping... Last year, I did like four million in volume, right? Okay. So, of course, this year, I want to do $10 million. There's just no doubt in my mind right now. I'm on track for that. I'm, I'm almost to the $5 million mark. So I'm like, okay, I'm halfway there. I can get there. Halfway there. But as far as this year, I've really focused in on education and giving back because... When my first couple of years of real estate, there was no one like me doing and not in a good way. Yes, I like being different, but also like there has to be more Rubens right everywhere in any industry. And what I realized is that when you become a real estate agent or even any in any industry, probably you could relate to this as well. You can go to um, like entrepreneur classes. You can go to all these different classes, but all the speakers have been in the industry for 10 years. 
They, they're like, this is what I do every day. I wake up, I read 10 pages from this inspiring book and then I write my affirmations and then, which works because you've been in the industry for that long. Of course, you have word of mouth for your business or for my, in my case, real estate, you have returning clients that you sold 10 years ago and now they're selling their house and they want to buy another one, right? I noticed that there was nothing that was from the eyes of the new agent. There was nothing out there that was helping people like me, but from the eyes of people like me, right? So I was like, I'm going to do a class. And so I got with a lender and we put up this class together and I first named it basically like how to get successful, but from the eyes of the new agent, okay. you know, uh, oh, a new agent's guide to success from the eyes of the new agent. So I invited a bunch of new agents and I was just telling them everything I do on social media and how I've marketed myself and my branding because I'm really big on that. And um, in a day where social media isn't going anywhere and a lot of people are like, well, social media isn't the only thing. It's not, but it's 90% at this point. And so I like to talk about it and I give them all my secrets. I tell them everything I do because again, like I said before, I tell them like, you cannot do it like me. I know you can't, but I can't do it like you. So take it and run and find your niche, right? So I focused on that and uh, for this year and I've already done three workshops with um, a bunch of agents and kind of giving back and telling them my side of it. But also this year I told myself, I'm going to make myself known because one of the things I'm struggling with is in the real estate industry, there are a lot of seasoned agents, right? And instead of meaning, it, see, been in the industry for a okay. while, made a lot of transactions prior pen prior to this market that we're in, and so because I started right before, I am seen as the money grabber. I'm seen, and I, it's been told to me. I've had comments made to me. I've even had other agents say like, "Oh, I thought you were just da 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 da," right? So I'm seen as this person that got their license because pandemic happened and rates dropped, and so I jumped in and. I'm just on, I'm just a social media agent is okay. how people have told me that, right? Other agents have said that they've either heard people say that, or they told me, Hey, like you actually know your stuff. Like we expected you to be X, Y, Z, right? So my goal this year, a part of the other goal that I have or expectation for myself is to be able to stand in a room with those other seasoned agents. And I have specific names in my head who I want to, I want to be in a room with them and show them like, Oh, well, I actually know what I'm doing. I'm not just a, a face that, you know, is on social media. I actually am on the ground. And I'm getting my feet wet and I'm getting my hands dirty and I'm really making things happen, you know? So that's one of my goals for this year because um, I don't like that. I don't like people say like, oh, he just, he, he just plays, like talks a big game about himself. But I'm like, no, I'm just really good at branding and that's what my passion is. And then I'm just also good at real estate because I did the time, you know, and I learned a lot. So, so that's one of my expectations. And then lastly is doing more things like this, like telling my story getting people to understand that anything is possible. If you just believe in yourself and keep trying well, destiny. And I always laugh my friend destiny because, um, we always make fun of each other. We're like, man, we can do anything. And we, we, it's a joke to, to each other, but we're like, man, we really did that. Like when it comes to anything, like I just want people to know, like if there's something you want to do, if you want to create a new flavor of water, create the flavor of water and make sure people think it is the best thing since sliced bread. Um, and if you're that passionate about it, it'll take off. Um, and so for me, like I mentioned before, it's just, I'm hoping and I manifest and I write my manifestations every morning because I'm like, I hope if I'm being honest, one day I'm going to have my own show. What is that show going to look like? I don't freaking know. And one day, do I hope to be like the next Ryan Seacrest? Absolutely. Right. I don't think that there's anyone out there that wouldn't want that for themselves as far as maybe not Ryan Seacrest, but success at the highest peak, right. And whatever they, their dream is. Um, but my expectation this year is to just do more things that follow that, right? Like having right now, I think that my personality is what sells. Yes, I know real estate, but if I can talk to you 
I like people. I just love to talk and I love to learn about people's stories and help them, like I said earlier, reach their goals. And as long as I can translate that, then my job will be done. You know, then I'll feel good. I'll feel like I'm not just a real estate agent sending, you know, helping people buy and sell houses, taking the money and run, you know, like I afterwards, it makes me feel good to, you know, visit them six months after they sold their house and drop off a little surprise and tell them like, Hey, be proud of yourself. You know, like something I do for my first time home buyers. I don't ever, t- no one actually knows this. So if you're listening to this podcast, you're getting some very exclusive news. Cause I don't tell anyone this. So what I do with my first time home buyers is about probably about a week before they're closing. I'll be like, Hey, can you send me a picture when you were like, I don't know, five, 10 years old. And they're like, what the hell? Like, why do you want that? <laughs> and I'm like, I, they think, are you going to post it? And I'm like, no, it's not going to go on my social media. I just want it. It's for a special gift for you. They're like, okay. So they'll send me the picture and then I'll go print it at CVS and I'll put it in a box with like little tissue paper. Sometimes if, uh, if it's like a crazy, I'll just have it in my phone and after closing, I'll airdrop it to them and then I'll start the, the, the thing there. But what I do is I say, Hey, I got you this gift and I give it to them and then they open it and it's just a picture of them and they're looking at it like what? And I tell them like, look, it goes back to my story of like when little Ruben I thought that I never was going to make it out. I thought that I was going to be stuck in this rut. I thought I was never going to accomplish what my dreams are. And I'm still not there yet, but I'm on the way. But I tell them, like, when you were when you were little you, you thought you could do anything. You thought you could be an astronaut. You thought you could be a dinosaur. You thought, I mean, whatever it was in your imagination. And I tell them, like, you just bought a house. That's not an easy thing to do. It's a big, a huge accomplishment. And I tell them when things get rough, And you feel like you just can't do it anywhere because I know during this process you felt that. I want you to look at that picture and see eyes through little you. Because little you thought you could do anything. And they all, of course, they get emotional because it's an emotional time when they're buying the house. But I want them to know it's important, right? Like it's a big, and that's what I, I constantly look at pictures of myself and I'm like, oh my God, like I was so lost when I was younger. Like I didn't know. And I wish I could go back to little Ruben and say like, it's okay. Like you're going to be this badass agent and you're going to, you know, do all these cool things one day. And so I like to tell people that because I'm like, don't take, this isn't light. Like, it's not like you're just signing, you're buying a $300,000 sometimes more in this market um, home where there are people like my parents who weren't able to buy a home until they were 53 years old, you know? So um, that's something big that I do. And so I just really want to push that this year because for the first two years, I was so busy trying to show I could sell houses, trying to prove my worth. And now I'm like, you know what? I know I'm going to be able to do it. I know what I have to do to do that again. But now I just need to make sure my message is out there. And however I have to do it, whether it's through running for the you know best realtor title or making these random videos on YouTube or whatever, whatever it is. Hey, who says you can't get clients with TikTok videos? Oh, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it, I, that's one of my funny things that I always put on TikTok. Like I, oh, I've gotten like four or five clients through TikTok. It's crazy. That's the one thing people go to now. It's like no longer Facebook anymore. It's yeah. not Instagram. It's TikTok. Yeah. No, yesterday... At- I shouldn't even be saying this, but yesterday we were at an event with my, with our coffee business uh-huh. and some girls asked my husband, Hey, are you guys on TikTok? And we do have a TikTok yeah, account, uh-huh. but we're not as active yeah. as we should be. And he's like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're not as active on it, but we're real active on Instagram or something like yeah. that. And then they walked away and I'm like, you do not tell people we are not active on it. You tell them we are active on LinkedIn. Uh-huh, yeah. We're on TikTok. Find us on all of them. Everything. <laughs> Whatever they ask you, we are on yeah, it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And then after they leave, we will get active. Yeah, go get active. Exactly. <laughs> it's true though. But, and it's crazy that like before people were like, what's your Instagram? That was like a thing. Yeah. Right? And now it's like, what's your TikTok? And I, I didn't have a TikTok for a while. And I was like, 
fine. I solved it. Because it's like a, it was a younger thing for a little bit. That's, like, it that's was what I had in mind. And I'm still trying to get used to. I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest. I'm still trying to get used to the whole TikTok thing. I really do need to be more active when it comes to my coffee business. I need to get more active on it. Because What stops you? It's a lot of work. It's because it's not just about, oh, I'm just going to pop post up my it. oven and pu- and record something and post it. Like you have to, it have has thought. to be quality, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm already so invested in our Instagram page, which is our, is, is the majority of where our, Following like, is. yeah, it is Instagram. I'm so invested in it that I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to add more. It's, it's, it's just another platform that I'm going to have to add, you know, take time yeah. to, to invest in it. I will say shout out to Roma Media Creator. So actually his name is Jonathan. And I told him today that I was coming to you because he, no, I think he knows your husband. Um, but anyways, I'll show you the stuff he does. He, okay. His business, which you will thrive on. And he's very, very, very inexpensive in a sense of because of what he offers you. He has made a niche in his business for grab and go videos in a sense, right? So not a full production, but it looks like it. Okay. And it's a bit, okay. So the million dollar video that you saw, mm-hmm. he did that and we filmed it in like maybe 10 minutes. He edited it in another 10 minutes and that's the video you saw. And it's not, obviously it's not lights, camera action, but it's good enough definitely for Instagram and TikTok and all the things, but he will just come and he'll be like, Oh, you tell him what you want maybe. Or if you tell him like your coffee business with Savage, he can, he'll probably look up your stuff and be like, Oh, I have an idea. Or I saw this, this video, or I saw this video and he'll come to you on a set day and say, Hey, I have these three ideas. Let's make the videos real quick. I kid you not. He's done in 20 minutes and then he'll go and home and edit it real quick. Cause that's his niche, his niche. He has all these different, I guess, templates and things that he can quickly edit. Okay. And it doesn't look like other people's, yeah. but it's ways that he, I don't know if you saw this other video. I'm like walking out of a, it's like a slow motion video. I'm like walking out of a, of, I'll have to show it to you after this, but he just so quick and they're quality videos and they are, so st- you would need something like that. Yeah. You'll have to put a little bit of money out, but it saves you so much time. Oh yeah. So much time. It's crazy. I mean, time is valuable right now. Absolutely. Especially, especially with you. Especially, you guys open so damn early. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how they do it. Cause ugh. it's rough. It's rough. And and are you the one opening all the time or do you have staff that sometimes opens no, no, no. it for you? No, no, no. It's just me, me and my husband and my mom. It's wow. us three. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Always. You know, I have to tell you this. So I was adamant about three months ago that I was going to invest in a truck, in a coffee truck. And I was like, I told my broker, I was like, hey, go in with me. Like, we'll do it together. I don't know where the hell I thought I was going to get this time, right? I, was, <laughs> I don't even know how to make coffee, right? I'm not passionate about coffee, but I do. And I am passionate at visiting coffee trucks. I think it's the coolest thing. I think that the, the tastes are so different. My assistant and I, we always say like, hey, once a week, we're going to go to a coffee truck just for fun. But anyway, I was like, there's not a coffee truck in Stone Oak. There's not one. There's not one. There's a Starbucks. There's a Merit coffee, but there's not a coffee truck. And I was like... I talked to my broker. I was like, could we park it in our big lot? Because we're in like a, a business strip, right? And it's it right off of Sigma and, and 1604, a block away from Stone Oak and um, off of Hardy Oak. And I was like, we could do it. I was like, look at all these business. I mean, there's businesses on businesses on businesses. And um, I think Remedio, the taco mm-hmm. truck, they're putting a, a location uh, right, right around the corner, like smashing crab. And, and then I think that's where they're going to be. But anyway... He was like, yeah, let's do it. So, of course, we start looking at trucks. And then it was like, oh, this is a little bit more expensive than I thought. But, I mean, it's not as expensive as getting a storefront, or oh, if yeah. you will. But nonetheless, I don't know how you do it because I started thinking, you got to know the type of coffee you're going to serve. You have to know how to make coffee and quality coffee. But then you also have to want people to go. Your aesthetic has to be, that's what it is these days. People want to go and take their Instagram pictures yeah. and show their cup and and all that. And Can I share a secret with yeah, you? Yeah, I didn't know how to make coffee when I really? started my business. I drank coffee and that's about Yeah, it. that's it. That's about it. Wow. I was just a coffee freak. Coffee really? fanatic, yeah. 
wow yeah yeah I don't know how like just thinking about it I'm like because we were like oh yeah we can do it and I was like on it like I was pressuring him every day like we got to open it like we got to do it there's no one here like I'm really good at marketing and branding you're the dollar amount guy like you're the broker you got a lot of money like we could figure it out you know and he was kind of in it and then we it kind of fizzled out just because we didn't know where to start and more so because we were hoping I was th- I was thinking that we were going to run on something like uh, Southbound Coffee where like someone was selling their truck that was already fully equipped so I was like, maybe we'll find something like that. But to get it built, it was difficult to have everything. And again, we don't know anything about coffee, so we didn't know what we needed. Um, and we started researching a little bit, but he's a very busy guy and I'm busy too. So I went to Savage. I went there my very first listing, actually, because it was all Shamefield. It was in um, Silver Canyon. Y'all were really busy. It was a Saturday morning and I had to go because my listing was around the corner and I saw it and I had been seeing it on social media, the big lips. I just remember it. And I was like... <laughs> I'm gonna go. So I finally went. I remember it was so good. And that was the first coffee truck I'd ever been to. Savage. How cool. Ever, ever, ever. Thank and then you. Southbound, I went to literally right after that. Yeah. Adriana, she's real cool. She's she's, she's so nice. Cool. Nice, nice people. Yeah, really cool. But anyway, just a fun fact about Savage. But, um, <laughs> well, yeah. if you ever do decide to go on with that project, please, I would be more than happy oh, I to will. assist. And whatever little knowledge I, I have that I, I'm, I'm more than willing to share with you. Also, side note, because again, you interviewed her too, the owner of Culture Cafe. Yes. Oh my God. So I actually talked to her when I was thinking about it. I went to go have breakfast there because I was at a listing that Uh I had downtown and I sat with her and oh my God, like talking to me about her tattoos, telling me where to go for like just she's real cool cool. people too. She is. Yeah. Y'all have like a really cool little, I mean, I'm sure not everyone (laughs) is, but everyone that I've met so far that owns a truck of any sort is just so nice. Like, but, um, but yeah, props to you guys. Cause every time I I'm like, Oh God, that the lips are just the perfect, like it's the best logo it's like so eye-catching. Thank it's pretty, you so yeah, much. It's cool, for that sure. Means, that means a lot to me. Uh, it, like I said, I mean, the podcast, the coffee business, everything was started during one of the lowest points of my life. We started it because I really needed to get myself up. You know, I really needed to get out of that 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 rut that I was in. And, and if you don't mind me asking, were you in a rut just because, like you had said, you had left the radio station? Yeah, or? so it was, I mean, I dedicated about 15 years of my life to radio and TV. So when I when it went downhill for me, Um, I was just kind of like in a, I didn't know anything else, you know, radio and TV was it for me. That's, that's where I was. Mm -hmm. I had made my mind up that that's where I was going to succeed. There was no other option. That was it. That was plan A, B, C, D, all of it. Because it didn't even think, come to your mind that it would ever be questioned. Yes. So, uh, when that, when that was, when that rug was pulled from under my feet, you know, I, I went downhill for a while. I was very depressed, very sad. Um, and, and so both of these projects, Savage Coffee and the Savage Podcast, were started, like I said, during low points in my life and were started to just kind of help me pull myself up and slowly have been evolving into, um, and now I'm able to see it, where I, I went into radio hoping to give back to my community. That yeah. was my goal. Um, I wanted to be able to help people. Because I too, you know, I, I mean, I don't come from a super poor, you know, family or anything yeah. like that, but we did struggle. Yeah. I mean, we weren't the richest people either. Right, right, right. So it was always in the back of my mind that I wanted to help, for example, young uh, Mexican girls or, or Latino girls get scholarships to go to school and, and stuff like that, stuff that I didn't have. So I thought that, okay, I go, I go to radio, do radio and, and make lots of money. And that way I'll yeah. be able to, to do that, you know, give back to my community that didn't happen, but now I'm able to see that through Savage, through the coffee business, and through the podcast, I'm helping. Maybe not, maybe I'm not helping a ton of people, okay? 
But maybe I'm helping one yeah, person. Yeah. And to me, now I'm able to understand, yeah, that's important too. You know, it's funny you say that. Uh, you and I have a lot in common. I, I think I was talking to you about this before we started filming, but I was doing this talk show, if you will. And one thing I'm going to tell you is that something that inspired me that I learned was that I kept telling this woman named Jasmine. She was the associate producer of the Kelly Clarkson show. Side note, I'm a psycho fan of Kelly Clarkson. But anyway, so that was why I wanted her on my show. I got to meet with her. It was during Black Lives Movement and she's African-American and it was just so great. It was a really powerful conversation. Anyway, I kept telling her like one day I want to have my own show. One day, one day. The way kind of way I was telling you. And this is live. Like there's no, we weren't editing. Like it was live stream. We were crying to each other. And she was like, Ruben, stop saying I want to have a show. You look at, you're doing it. She's like, you're doing it. And so that in relation to you, even though you already are doing it when you were like, oh, I, if I'm only helping one person, even like, I think you need to realize you're helping way more people than you think you are. Like I'm telling you that because look at Southbound Coffee. That's already one plus me. That's two. Trust me. If there's two of us, there's so many of us. I'm pretty sure if you're like me, in the back of your mind, you're like, oh, like I'm not able to help as much as I want to. Right? In your mind, you're thinking that. And in my mind, I think that too. But I think it goes to show like you already are. You've already probably done more than you even think. So stop telling yourself like, you, you know what I mean? Stop telling yourself like, oh, if I can. No, not if. You are. Like while I am helping because I think that really changes our mindset. Even my friend Destiny and I, you interviewed her and we were talking about you. She's like, dude, she's so rad. She's so cool. Like... <laughs> And that's something that goes to show, I mean, I don't know your relationship with all the, your other guests, but I think that even the people that you're interviewing, that's what, how many episodes have you had at this point? You know what I mean? So if I can say anything to you, I think that in talking to you, I think I can imagine where you are. Cause I was where I was there and I still am like what I was saying, like one day, I hope I'm there. And I have to remind myself, like, you're already on your way there. Like it's going to happen. And same for you. Like you're in, you are inspiring more people than I think you even know for sure. Thank you for so sure. much. I, I mean, I'm already getting teary. Oh. <laughs> don't, 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 don't. No, Let me that's, yeah. my eyes no real but quick. It's, it's true. Like, I, I think that it's hard, especially, I don't know what it is. I think also social media does this to us and all the norms. Like, we see the Kardashians, we see Ryan Seacrest, we see, you know, Jimmy Fallon. We see all the greats that are just made it in, in the industry that you're in, in the industry that I would, would love to be in, right? And, and my husband makes fun of me because we'll be watching the Kardashians, especially the new one. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's freaking fantastic. <laughs> and I literally will be holding my breath while I'm watching it. And it's probably very bad for my mental health. I love the show, but I'm holding my breath and like literally a, like a break will happen. And I'm like, now and I can my breathe. husband's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I, I could do that. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. that should be me. And he's like, what are you saying? <laughs> And I'm like, no, not, not being a Kardashian, but like the life that they live in. Yes, are there parts of the glitz and glam that I wish I had? Like, I would love, my husband gets this on me, but I would love to get out of an SUV and people dying to take a picture of me. Like, that's cool to me. Like, that's my personality. But at the same time, like, how badass is it that they can give back? Like, there are some huge things that they do when oh, they yeah. go traveling, when they, I mean, just so many things that they do to give back to people. So my point is, is that like, I think that it's easy for us to compare ourselves and I do it on a daily basis to not people in our circle, which you would think that's what most people do. I think, which is why I think that you're probably like me, like we're not normal. We don't compare ourselves to the people next to us. We're comparing, like you probably don't compare yourself to Southbound Coffee or Culture Cafe. You're probably comparing yourself to these big uh, conglomerate companies, right? Because that's where we see ourselves being. And that's how I, I'm like, I see Ryan Seacrest on American Idol and I'm like, I could host a show like that. Like, I know I could do it. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. You know what about. I mean? Like, yeah, I and know so what you're anyway, about. I think it's innate in us and it's going to happen at some point. 
Well, I want to thank you, Ruben, so much, so much for, for reaching out to me, first yeah, of all, yeah. for reaching out to me and, and seeing the significance of the Savage yeah. podcast and wanting to be a part of it. I'm so glad that you did, that you reached out and that we were able to, to have you here in the studio. Your story is beautiful. Oh, I'm you. so glad that you are able to, and that you're at a point where you're able to share it yeah. and, and talk about it and be an inspiration to other people who might be listening, who, who might be going through a similar situation, who have gone through a similar situation. I'm sure that this episode is going to be of so much help to oh, yeah. to the people that are listening. So I'm glad that you were able to come in and I'm open so your heart happy. to us. Yeah. I'm so happy. And last thing I want to say too is that like if you're listening to this, just always think of the greater things right like and even you whoever's listening like it's important that like if you don't believe in something greater and i'm not talking about religion i'm not talking about a greater power i'm just saying like if you can't believe that something better is out there then you need to kind of realign because if not then again what is what's the point of waking up every day if you can't find that one thing that you're dreaming about and it's not to live in a fantasy land or to to give your hopes up it's just to reach for something and know that you're working for something because then it's easy to just get stagnant and never reach those things and then when you grow up or years down the line you you're you know you regret not doing it so if there's one thing people take away is just always believe in something higher and it, it'll work out for sure can we share your uh, social media platforms oh, yeah. in case anybody wants to get yeah, a hold of you? Yeah, so um, everything is the same. It's Ruben underscore Realtor. Okay. However, my name is spelled R-U-E. A lot of people put like R-E-U, like the sandwich, or R-U-B. It's R-U-E-B-E-N. So Ruben underscore Realtor on everything. On everything. Yeah. LinkedIn. Yeah, everywhere. TikTok, everything. Instagram, okay? Facebook. And we're active on everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, I'm there everywhere. I'm active on it, and LinkedIn especially, right? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that's what it defines. Thank you so much once again for being with us thank you for listening to us please remember to subscribe to the podcast share the episode in your social media and once again this episode was brought to you by savage coffee we're on 12221 alamo ranch parkway Mwah.